Welcome to Resurrection Sunday at Grace Point. Amen? Amen. All of you joining us online, welcome also. I really believe that Easter and Christmas are just these grand opportunities to let tradition speak to us. And so this morning, I'm praying that uh, today's message would touch your heart, the service would touch your heart. Um, It's super simple. And what I'm going to share with you is very short. And I want to keep this day all about celebrating Jesus. Amen. Are you with me on that? Years ago at Easter, uh, I received a promotional from an advertising company. And they said, basically, that Easter is no longer very good at um, inviting people to. That it's lost its uh, allurement. Um, In fact, it said Easter outreach no longer works. And I began to think on that. Hmm. Is that true? Is that not true? That's part of that advertisement. They get you to buy into their merchandise, right? And I begin to think, you know what? That's absolutely not true. That's one of the most false things I've read in a long time. Easter will always be relevant. Let me give you three reasons why I think Easter will always, always be relevant. Because Jesus is the person he claimed to be. That'll always make Easter relevant. Jesus is the person he claimed to be. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And Jesus made all kinds of really outrageous claims when you think about it. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you or I made any of these kind of claims, we'd be considered crazy, right? And rightly so. But but Christ backed it all up. Um, So where's the proof in what Jesus claimed? Well, it's found in one of his exchanges with some money changers in the temple court. These money changers uh, were turning the temple court into this flea market, and Christ got upset, and he chucks them all out. He gets angry. And these money changers say, well, by what authority are you doing this? What miraculous sign are you going to show us that gives you the right to, to boot us out of the temple courts? And Jesus answered them this, destroy this temple, referring to his body, and I'm going to raise it up in three days. In other words, he would be resurrected after he was uh, killed. And so Jesus claimed that the Godhood are verified in his resurrection. And Easter reminds us every year that Jesus is the person that he claimed to be. It's an annual reminder, an annual opportunity to to sit back and say, okay, Christ really is the person he claimed to be. Why is Easter relevant? Because Jesus has the power he claimed to have also. Jesus said in uh, John chapter 10, verse 18, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. And I have the authority, the power to lay it down, and I have the authority and the power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. See, no force could keep Christ in the tomb, amen? The Romans tried. They crucified him. They put him into a tomb. They rolled a great big heavy stone in front of him. They put the Roman seal on there. They put 24-hour guards on there. But what happened? Christ still rose from the dead, amen? Because no earthly force could ever stop that or prevent that from happening. Jesus, or excuse me, Easter is so very relevant because it's a demonstration of the power of God. Easter's relevant for one last reason here I'm going to just share with you. Jesus did what he promised. In Mark 10, 34, Jesus said he would be mocked, spit upon, flogged, and killed, and three days later he would rise. The cross wasn't a surprise to Christ. It was part of God's plan for him to fulfill. When the women went to the tomb of Christ, as Pastor Aaron was talking about, and met the angel, he said, hey, Jesus is not here. 
He's come back to life just as he said he would. I, I feel like they were saying, what are you even doing here? You're not going to find him among the dead. As if to stamp more authenticity and more authority on the resurrection. We're told in Scripture that Christ appeared after his resurrection to hundreds of witnesses. Not just a couple, to hundreds. And every Easter is a reminder that Christ did what he promised to do. So back to the original question. Is Easter relevant for outreach? Well, sure it is, amen? It might be the most relevant event of the calendar year. I think it is for outreach. All history hinges on the resurrection of Christ. And God has stamped this event with all kinds of verifiable proofs, amen? So, of course, it's relevant. This Resurrection Sunday, I want to encourage you. Rejoice in Christ that whatever your past is, whatever sins have been besetting to you, they're under the blood of Christ, amen? Rejoice in that. But rejoice in that the present moment you're living in now, no matter what you're going through, our God is in control, amen? And also rejoice in this, that your future is full of hope in him. Whatever's happened in the past is under the blood. Whatever you're going through right at the moment is under the power and the sovereignty of God. And whatever happens in the future is full of the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? This Resurrection Sunday, let that kind of be your demeanor that your mind said. Now, throughout the message today, I'm going to say something. And some of you have been around. You know how you're supposed to respond. I'm going to say, we needed a Savior. He has risen. And you're going to say what? Yeah, only you'll say it louder, right? That's kind of wimpy. So let's, let's do it one more time. He is risen. This Easter Sunday, all I'm going to do is outline Easter. Isn't that creative? Yeah, I'm kind of spent emotionally. I got to share a story with you. <laughs> you all right with me sharing this? Aaron, uh, he doesn't know. He could care. So this morning I, I get to church. I have had kind of a rough week. I haven't felt real well. Although today I feel really good. And so Vicki calls me, my dear wife, my soulmate. <laughs> she is. And she says, I just tested positive for COVID. And I go, what? <laughs> and she says, you need to get home and take a test. And I go, oh, no. And I started to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then I thought, no, I should probably do that, right? So I go home. <clears throat> I'm taking the test. We're trying to figure out. These tests are not simple. Why doesn't it say, you have it, you don't have it? Amen? Amen? So we're reading this test. And I get the same line she gets. I go, oh boy, I have COVID. So I'm talking to poor Pastor Aaron. You're going to have to grab my notes. You're on, buddy, you know. And it's one of those, oh, no moments for all of us, right? And uh, there's a lot of uh, nervous energy. How's that happening here? And then we begin to read the instructions a little more closely. I don't read instructions at all. Anybody else relate to me? <laughs> Vicki is reading the instructions closely, not me. And she goes, wait a minute. Huh, this means negative. <laughs> so her test is negative, mine's negative, right? I'm going, I'm out of here. So I'm going back to church. I have to wait 15 minutes. I said, call me if it changes. And uh, she texted me 10 minutes later, you're still negative. And I said, the first time I like being called negative. Amen. And so I'm a little bit spent emotionally right now. I'm just going to let you know. Um, and so this morning, I'm glad that this is a simple message. It's the outline of Easter. 
Um, I remember a pastor, a, uh, a very creative pastor saying at one point, at some point in my preaching ministry, I'm just going to get up, read scripture, and say amen, and sit down. Today, it's very close to that. We're going to go through several points in this outline of Easter, but I'm going to read to you a tremendous amount of scripture with very little verbiage in between. I just want the word of God, which is, you know, alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword to do its work of dividing bone from marrow. Amen? So I pray today that this blesses you. It's super simple, and I think it's what God would have us uh, do this Easter Sunday. So we're going to begin with our Easter outline with this very first point. Fallen humanity has a sin problem that needed to be solved. Let me tell you why I've come to this conclusion. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. James 1.15 says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to what? Death. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. And one of my favorite verses of the Bible is Proverbs 16, 25, because it explains why so much of fallen humanity is just chasing their tail a little bit because they don't know what's going on. There is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. So, the outline of Easter begins simply this way. We have a sin problem, and what does that equal? Death, amen? Sin equals death. Death Physically, death spiritually. And death spiritually means separated from God for eternity. So fallen humanity has a problem. It's sin, and that sin problem means death. Amen? So that's the beginning of Easter outlined. Now, so many mistakenly think, I don't feel right with God. I know there's something amiss because God has put eternity in the hearts of people. And so frequently what I see attempted is, I'll try to do better. I'll obey some things better. I'll love a little bit better. I'll try to follow some of God's commands better. Oh, maybe, maybe I'll just give some money to God so that he likes me more or whatever, right? We might think sacrifices will, will be helpful. But listen to what Hebrews 10 says, verses 1 through 4. The law... It's only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and no, would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, the only power that these Old Testament sacrifices had was that they pointed to Jesus Christ, amen? They had no power to forgive sins in and of themselves. The only power was that they were pointing to what God would one day do through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So listen, sacrifices, trying to obey the law, trying to be a good person, these are not solutions for the sin problem. Rather, sacrifices like the Old Testament were an annual reminder that we have a sin problem. We needed a Savior. He is risen. Okay, we're going to do that again. 
We needed a Savior. He is risen. He is risen so all along, God had a, a plan to solve this sin problem. Do you have plans in your life? Does anybody have plans in their lives besides me? We plan all the time. We think about what we're going to do down the road. We plan finances. We plan uh, especially trips. We love to do trips. We plan those kinds of things. Uh, you know, we make plans on fixing our house up or our lake place up. You know, anybody with me on that? Did any of your plans get disrupted over the last couple of years? Anybody beside me have life kind of going hold for like a year and a half? Yeah, but I want to tell you this. God's plan of redemption never changed. It was there since the foundation of the world, which brings us to the second Easter outline point. God had a plan to solve the problem, amen? In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, we're told that Jesus was chosen to be our Redeemer, our Savior, before the creation of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sinned for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we had a problem of sin. Sin equals death. God had a plan to address this sin problem from the foundation of the, of the world. So Jesus came with a mission to die for sin. And he marched very much on purpose to the cross for our salvation. I, I love how he was focused. He was on mission. He did his, his sacrifice for us very much on purpose. Listen to John chapter 12, verses 23 through 33. It says this. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No! It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will continue uh, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. We needed a savior. He has risen. You say? So as the plan of God begins to unfold, it's evident that a person is the solution. We have the problem of sin. God had a plan from the foundation of the world to solve that problem. And the solution was a person. Now, you know what? This makes all kinds of sense. Because God is communal. He's revealed to us Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's Trinitarian. He's in perfect harmony within himself. He creates you and I in his image. Amen? So he creates us to do best in what? Community. That's why the community of Christ is so important. That's why marriage is so important. That's why having families is part of God's plan. He knows people do best and, 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 and thrive best when they're in a community because we're created in his image. Amen. So it just makes sense that the solution to the problem, the plan of God since the foundation of the world, would be a what? A person. Because we're so relational. Amen. 
So point three of our outline is this. A person, Jesus, was the solution to the problem of sin. Listen to John 14, verses 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father. Then listen to Romans 10.4. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Solution to the problems of person, Jesus Christ, amen? And Jesus went to the cross, and he was crucified. God was physically slain for our sins. We needed a Savior. He is risen. But we know the tomb couldn't contain him, could it? No power on earth could contain him. It wouldn't be an Easter outline if we didn't have some resurrection scripture in here. So let me read to you from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. We needed a Savior. He is risen, you say? So we're getting close to completion of this little Easter outline. But this outline would not be complete without point number four here. And let me give you that point. And it's this. The power of God made the resurrection possible. And we see the power of God all throughout the gospel, all throughout the life message of Jesus Christ. Jesus is conceived by the power of God. Amen? Mary's overshadowed. And Christ is conceived by the power of God. Christ ministered in the power of God. Signs and miracles followed him wherever he went. His words cut to the core. He, he, no one ever spoke like him before or since. Uh, when Pilate was thinking he had power to condemn or free Jesus, Jesus simply said to him, you would have no power if it wasn't given to you from on high. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord and have the authority or the power to take it up again. Some of Jesus' last words to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 was, was this. You wait. Now remember, this is the beginning of the history of the church, Acts chapter 1. He says, you wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high, indicating that they would be baptized with the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has power associated with him, amen? He has the power to drastically change our lives. And Jesus, throughout all of his interaction with his creation, has demonstrated great power, and that was culminated in the resurrection. We needed a Savior. He is risen. You say... This brings us to our conclusion today. The resurrection makes it possible 
for the follower of Jesus to be filled with the presence of the Lord. That's where this is all heading to. God lives right inside those who believe in him now. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 17. Day after day, every high priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, that's Jesus, offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he asks, their sins and lawless acts I'm not going to remember anymore. Now listen to John chapter 7, verses 38 through 39. Listen to what this says. Whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believe in him were later to uh, receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now hear John chapter 14, verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So we begin our little outline with this thought. We had a problem, right? Sin. And what does that equal? Death. God had a plan since the creation of the world. That was a person, Jesus Christ. And by his power, Jesus came and became our Savior. And now in Jesus, what do we have? Life. Life forevermore if we put our trust in him. Amen? In Jesus, we have life. Amen? We needed a Savior who is risen. What do you say? Let's pray and then we're going to sing a couple songs. Would you bow your heads? Lord God, I want to thank you for this Easter that we can just remember who you are. We can remember the simple message of the gospel that we have a sin problem and you looked on us with kindness and mercy as a loving heavenly father. You didn't leave us in the distress of being separated from you by our sinfulness. Rather, you had a plan since the creation of the world, before the creation of the world, Lord. And that plan was Jesus, your son, that he would come and he would atone for our death, our, 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 our sin by death on the cross. And we want to thank you, Lord God. We want to thank you for Christ and for this plan and for the solution to our problem with sin. And today, Lord, we just praise your name for Christ our Savior because your solution was a person, your son. And he died in our place, Lord, to grace us with life evermore if we just believe in you. If we believe it and receive it, Lord, and I just pray that we would believe it and receive it today. And then, Lord, we get to experience your power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead will reside in us as followers. Your Holy Spirit will come and he'll make all things new in our lives, Lord. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, be unleashed in our midst today. We just praise you, God. Thank you for Easter, this annual reminder of this great plan you had, God. We love you and praise you and give you glory. And all God's people said,